Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Jonathan DeBurka Butler joins us once again to uh, take us away a bit from our own obsessions uh, and bring us sure, stories from other parts of the world. Uh, right, Jonathan, this first one, uh, we're going to go to New Zealand first. This is a complicated case in every single Rightly respect. Yeah. So it, it, uh, it, 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 it's a court case, though, uh, involving a throuple who broke up. A court case involving a, a polyamorous throuple and a property. Okay, okay. so Lilac and Brett, I won't give you their... Uh, their surname because it is a Christian name so it'll just confuse things. Yes, Lilac yep. and Brett okay. got married in 1993. Okay, Six years later Lilac met Fiona Mead and they got into a relationship which was then brought into the marriage. Okay, okay. So this couple, Lilac and Brett became a throuple which included a woman now by the name of Fiona Mead. Right, okay. And they moved into a four uh, hectare farm that was purchased in Mead's name at around about that time for just over half a million dollars. Okay, so that's uh, that's a very important piece of information. Now she essentially paid the deposit of forty grand, and uh, it seems that she paid for quite a bit of the property as as it was being paid off over time. Right, and they lived together very happily together for fifteen years, mostly shared the same room and okay. the same bed. Although I believe that they went off into other relationships as well, but they all worked and they all contributed to the household. Now, unfortunately, after 15 years, Lilac, who had been in the original married couple, yeah. broke up with Fiona Mead and Brett in 2017. Okay. Right? We don't know why. It's not really important. The next year, that new couple, Fiona Mead and Brett, also broke up, but Fiona Mead continued to live at the property. Just a reminder, this was the property that she had paid the deposit on and, a, and was in her name. Okay, mm. A year later... In 2019, Lilac applied to the family court to determine the party's shares in the property under what's called the Property Relationship Act 1976, okay? And Mead, who was still living in the house, protested this, right? She basically said that the family court's jurisdiction and that act didn't come into play because the act applied to couples and they were a throuple, all right? Okay. Now, obviously, Lilac and Brett didn't like that, so it was referred to the High Court, and the High Court said, yes, that Mead was right, the family court has no jurisdiction. Lilac and Brett appealed that decision, with the Court of Appeal ruling in 2021 that the family court did have jurisdiction as the throuple could be defined as three separate qualifying relationships relationships under the Act. So that essentially they were three couples, if that makes sense. Three Okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. A, yeah. B, three C, couples. Yes, a, yes. There are three of them, therefore three, three circles couples, yes. rather than a triangle. Yes, if okay. you get me. All right. Yeah. So that's how they kind of shoehorned the their situation in to be into that court, so yeah. it could be dealt with under the Act. All right. right. Okay. And so Mead wasn't happy with that, and they went to the Supreme Court last year, and the Supreme Court went against her in a ruling last week and said, indeed, that they could be th- treated as three separate couples, if you know what I mean, rather than one single entity. Basically, what she was trying to do was she was trying to say this act that they are trying to use to divvy up the property doesn't apply to us because we were never a couple. We were always a throuple. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, and that's that's uh, unfortunately for her, she's lost. OK. Uh, and so it's now going to go back to the family court and they have to decide how to divvy up the property. My, all right, so we don't know yet how they're going to divvy it up. No, so, but it, it looks likely. Split, kind yeah, of it looks likely because of the direction that's been given by the Supreme Court that it will be a three-way split. Yeah. Uh, 
And if it had gone in her favour, what would have happened would have been that the relationship aspect would have been taken out of the the property dispute, if you know what I mean. Mm. And they would have just looked at the fi- financial contributions that they all had made over the years and they would have divvied it up that way. So therefore, Mead presumably would have got more. Yeah. God save us. Now that, well, it's Very, a complicated story. Yeah. But also, it, 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 now, I, I don't know if around the world if, if cases like this occur, but in, in New Zealand, presumably, they're setting some sort of legal precedent. That it is. This has never happened yeah, before. Yeah, it's, 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 I know someone who's very close to the case, shall we say, and uh, they've said that there's nothing like this that's ever come up in common law around the world. Uh, they think so. They think that this might be a world first. Okay, um, well, so congratulations! Yeah, I would imagine <laughs> New Zealand papers uh, covered that one with a certain amount of glee. They did uh, really actually. Is, yeah, uh, yeah. It so was. It was. It, although, given it was so complicated, I'd say fair it's few journalists yes, tried to avoid challenging. it. Yes. <laughs> right, Zimbabwe. We're going to go to next, and uh, the various parties that are struggling to pay a fee ahead of the elections. What is this fee? Yeah. So the, the, there's elections coming up in August, right? And they're going to be closely contested. The two main candidates are uh, obviously Emerson Manangagwa, who is in power at the moment, came in after Mugabe left, and uh, Nelson Chamisa. And they are, they can afford to, you know, run, put their candidates forward, okay? Mm. Um, but what the ZANU-PF party have done, that's Manangagwa, the party that's been in power ever since independence in 1980, wasn't it, I think? Uh, they can, they've they decided that they're going to up the, the entrance fee for people who are putting themselves forward for political office mm. okay, for these elections that are coming up in August, as I said. So registration fee for presidential candidates is now €18,000 or the equivalent there uh, of, of that. Okay, And that's 20 times higher than the entrance fee that existed in 2018. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Now, people who are pro-democracy or at least call themselves pro-democracy are saying that this uh, punitive fee is going to stop them from entering the race. But there are those that say basically the last time this happened, there was a presidential race, there was 23 candidates. It was an absolute mess. And at least in this case, you'll only have, let's call them serious uh, political yes. parties or at least political parties that have an awful lot of money. I shouldn't say yeah, that. The larger ones. Serious, yes, you know, the larger ones. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the deadline for uh, registration closed last week and it seems that, you know, there certainly won't be 23 candidates running in the next election. Uh, so it's an interesting, it's it's an interesting take. Things are t- uh, pretty tense in Zimbabwe at the moment. Uh, there's, there's sort of crackdown on lots of opposition parties, um, people being thrown in jail and having cases raised against them, a bit like what happened under Mugabe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Funnily yeah. enough. And um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens this August. But I, I don't know what your take on that is, whether you think it'll Are make they... for a better election or it's less Well, you can see the logic there yeah. is, but just using money as a metric, that there's many other metrics mm-hmm. they could have used to reduce that fee. Indeed. Is, does the same apply then if you if you just want to run as an ordinary member of parliament, you have to pay money? Yeah, you have to pay, no, it's 900, about 900 euros. So, so like if you're, if you're wow. a political party and you want, I, I can't remember, it's 260 seats, I think. In the lower chamber. But anyway, somewhere there, thereabouts. If you're a political party and you want to run candidates in for every office, you'd have to come up with nearly a quarter of a million yeah, euros, which in Zimbabwe is, is yeah. not easy to find. Yeah. yeah. Right, Honduras we're going to go to next, uh, where 46 women killed in a prison riot. Yeah, I mean, I nearly wasn't going to go near this one, to be honest with you, because we've done so much on prison riots over the years. But I think mm. the fact that it was 46 women is is is... 
the sh- kind of sh- more shocking aspect of this, really, in, in many ways. Um, it's exactly what it says in the headline. 46 women were killed after an outbreak of violence between gangs at a prison near the capital, uh, Tegucigalpa. Um, it started, it's believed, because there was attempts by authorities to crack down on uh, illicit practices in, in, in the, inside prisons, right? So, you know, the way the gangs go in and they divvy up mm. sale of drugs and all this kind of thing. And there's two gangs that have been operating in Honduras for years, and we've spoken about them before, Barrio 18 and Mara Salvatruca, okay? They actually started in LA, I think, in the early 1990s, and then a lot of them were kicked back to various different countries in South America, and they've spread from there. And they, they've, they run, they kind of run an awful lot of countries. Um, and in Honduras... They're very, very powerful. Um, so anyway, the, the violence broke out between these two gangs. And as a result, uh, as you said, 46 women were killed. And um, it's it's just shocking. But that's the story. Yeah, but, but it is it is essentially gang violence. Though, gang violence. Yeah, that's be, happening yeah. in the prisons. Yeah, yeah. anywhere else. Uh, right. A very strange one. We're going to go to Taiwan now. Where teachers at a kindergarten accused of drugging children. Yeah, this is um, a kindergarten called Boa Ren Kindergarten. It's a private preschool in New Taipei City. And I believe a principal and five teachers have been arrested and are under investigation. It's it's relatively complicated, but it seems that what this principal and the teachers were doing was they were giving the children a cough syrup. And I don't know if they added... uh, two different ingredients into them or they were part of the cough syrup. I imagine they couldn't be part of the, yeah. the cough syrup. But they ha- they found traces of phenobarbital and benzodiazepine. Now, the, they're two serious drugs mm. uh, in eight pu- uh, pupils who were, who were tested um, when uh, they began to so sh- show symptoms, sorry, of mood swings and cramps and general illness. The... Reaction to it has been quite uh, profound. I mean, it was first reported in April and May, but the authorities actually didn't start taking drug tests until 22 days after they had first been informed, right? And the mayor of the city, a man by the name of Hu Yu Yi, who's quite important politically, has been uh, criticised in in a major way um, for not taking action and for sitting on his hands. Now, he's a significant character because he's actually running for the presidential election, which is taking place next year or due to take place next okay. year, right? So he has been very directly affected by this and 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 um you know he's saying that that you know this has been used as a political football by by the government of course who know that he's running for the election next year but in the middle of it all you've got these kids who've been drugged uh and there's investigations going on to find out if 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 this has happened to more than the eight uh, in which these two drugs have been detected. But yeah. it's, it's kind of shocking. So. Uh, well, like, were they given all the kids cough syrup or just certain kids cough syrup? We, we don't know because the problem with the 22-day delay to testing them is that even though they may well have tested all of the kids, and again, I don't know if they did for sure, there's people who think that the drugs or the effect of the drugs would have worn off at that stage. Mm, uh, yes, so, you know, yeah. they, they wouldn't have shown up in various different blood tests. Um, so we don't know for sure if, if all of the kids were getting it. Um, but it seems that it was used because of their sedative properties and, and, and it was used to, you know, kind of calm them down or put them to sleep. But That's I mean, bizarre. it's really dangerous. Yeah. Right. Lebanon, uh, we're going to go to uh, finally uh, where uh, Gaddafi's son, or, uh, or at least one of them, has gone on hunger strike. You're one of several. Um, yeah. This is the late Muammar Gaddafi, who of course, died in uh, 2011, 12 years ago now. 
when he was um, kicked out of power in, in Libya. And, and his sons went here, there and everywhere. Um, I'm not sure if all of them are still alive, actually. I must look into that again. But one of them certainly is a man by the name of Hannibal Gaddafi. Uh, he ran off to Syria. And I think in about 2015, uh, he was kidnapped from Syria, brought across the border into Lebanon, where a prosecutor charged him with concealing information about the fate of an imam by the name of Musa al-Sadir. Now, Musa al-Sadir, it was the head of the Shiite Amal movement, which is a big political movement in in Lebanon Lebanon, that you probably know of. And he disappeared in 1978, right? And it's always been thought that Muammar Gaddafi was responsible for his killing. There's various different reasons as to why, how it might have happened. But anyway, he went to Libya and he never came back, okay? And... Well, at how the time, old would Hannibal? Yeah, well, that's the whole point. <laughs> at the time, Hannibal Gaddafi was two years of age. Ah, yeah. So the fact that he's been held captive <laughs> without trial since 2015 for the crimes of his father is absolutely absurd. I mean, whatever you think of the Gaddafi families, this is a complete injustice, to be honest with you. Now, he's gone on hunger strike. Um, mm. It's now two and a half weeks uh, that he's been on hunger strike and he's in a bad way. So he's been taken to hospital now. Um, and presumably he's uh, looking to try and either get the case sped up and then be acquitted, uh, or he's looking for some sort of uh, sympathy from the, the, the Lebanese government of yeah. some form uh, to get him out of the situation. Uh, it's hard to imagine what their motive is for doing revenge. this. Revenge. It's pure revenge. Against... Uh, Gaddafi. Uh, yeah. Against a dead man. Against a dead man. Yeah, it's... it's it, it's complete injustice and it's really immature, to be honest with yeah, you. It's, it's, it's uh, really bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe though, I suppose maybe politically the name carries, you know, so would still carry weight in that part of the world. So people would see this to be, well, at least you've done something. Absolutely. Uh, even if it's yeah, uh, yeah. saying a two-year-old had something to do with it. Right. So in the next week or so, what should we look out for, Jonathan? Well, look, Russia is really the big thing. <laughs> and, and that's that's what we should be looking out for. Um I don't know what's going to happen there or what's going on. Yeah. Um, well, there's like the theories are mad, yeah. completely mad. Uh, but, you, but your man's in Belarus now, it would seem. That's what and, they're saying. And, yeah. and, and most of his troops are. So maybe nothing will happen. Maybe things will calm down. You, you, come to some you, you wouldn't of, know. You wouldn't know. Yeah. You'd just hope that they don't all of a sudden, you know, nip over the border from Belarus and start going straight for Kiev. That's uh, That would be one worry that you, you might uh, have, depending on how many of them are there, obviously. But yeah. anyway. Though I think Belarus wouldn't want to get involved so directly in that I, dispute. I, I, maybe. I don't know how much control Belarus have, have over their own destiny. Well, it's, I mean, there's one, theory, there's one theory that uh, Litvinenko always like was always very keen on closer ties with Russia yeah. and perhaps saw himself as kind of a potential re- uh, leader of an you know a, a greater Russia including Belarus and maybe he's done a deal with them mm-hmm. now so they're like they've become his private army well it's, never it's one theory absolutely I mean, yeah, yeah, out of a range of bonkers ones <laughs> there's plenty out there all right. <laughs> yeah. and then Sierra Leone there was I, I mentioned it last week there was elections on Sunday uh, we're we're looking to see um, what the results of that are. It's pretty tense at the moment, unfortunately. And given that they had a civil war, okay, it's over twenty years ago it finished at this stage. But every time there's an election there, it's always quite tense. So uh, we're waiting to see what the um, what the outcome of that will be. At the moment, it looks like the current president, um, uh, President Bio, is in the lead. Uh, but whether it goes to a second round and a runoff. We don't know. Might be better if he gets over the 50% and it's just yeah. done and dusted rather than it going to a runoff. But things are tense and, and there's been a bit of violence, so um, need to keep an eye out on that. Okay, that's uh, uh, thanks a million, Jonathan, Cheers, as Sean. ever. 
Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.